The impact that the Spanish invasion has had on native Mexico is something that's still discussed to this day. For hundreds of years, artists have tried to express the tense emotions, the anger, the grief, the sadness, as well as nostalgia, pride, and wonder that Mexican people feel about who they are and about the fact that so many modern Mexican people are a blend of two worlds, a cross between Spanish and indigenous peoples. To this day in Mexico, a name that gets bandied about occasionally is Malinchista. It's not a nice name to call someone. It basically means a traitor to one's own people, or someone who prefers a foreign culture over his or her own. This disparaging insult stems all the way back to the early days of the Spanish conquest of Mexico in the 1520s. So let's go there. Here's Luis Lopez. So Hernán Cortés was one of the, the leaders for the Spanish, right? And La Malinche uh, can be described in many different ways. Uh, she's been described as a translator slash lover slash captured person, right? Slave, whatever you want to say. Some people would say whore. Others might say traitor, but we'll get to that. Uh, and there's different ideas between do they actually have a romantic relationship or was she just being used? Uh, but essentially, she was the one that could communicate, if I'm not mistaken, with Maya and Nahuatl. And they had another person who could translate from Nahuatl to Spanish. And so by utilizing uh, La Melinche, she was, or they, Hernán Cortés and, and the Spanish were able to communicate with indigenous communities. And so that's kind of how they made their ways. They had someone that can, I don't know, kind of get them safe passage, if you will, or just communicate, hey, this is what's about to happen if we don't get safe passage or if you don't turn these things over. And so the argument is if Malinche wasn't there, would it have been successful? We don't know. La Malinche's romance with the Spanish conqueror Hernán Cortés has been depicted in different ways throughout Mexico's history. ¿Cuándo partís? ¿A qué viene esa pregunta? Ya tenéis vuestro oro. Si dejáramos estas tierras, vos podríais volver con los vuestros. Mi padre murió. This was from a popular dramatic series called Carlos Rey Emperador. I'm Ross Chambliss, and this is Nuevas Voces. This is part five of our podcast that examines Mexican art and history. And as Cortez's mistress, La Melinche, who some Mexicans pronounce La Melincin, or the Spanish called Donna Marina, gave birth to a son who would have been among the first mestizo children, a person of mixed race in Mexico. One of the depictions of the couple in particular remains compelling and controversial. So this painting was done by Jose Clemente Orozco between 1923 and 26. It's a fresco mural high up on the ceiling at the, at the Antiguo Colegio de San Idelfonso in Mexico City. It was th This site was actually the site of the preparatory school where Frida Kahlo was studying when she met Diego Rivera. It was one of the first murals painted after the Mexican Revolution. And it shows a naked Cortez and a naked Malinche. And so it's very much like Adam and Eve, um, the, the parents of all humans. And these are the parents of Mexicans. And he's very white and she's very dark. He has his arm, one hand is holding her hand, and the other arm is ag ar against her. It could be seen as protective, or it could be seen as holding her back. And then underneath them, under their feet, they're sitting, under their feet is a, 
naked person laying on their stomach, and Cortez's foot is on top of this person. So when this was painted, when Orozco painted this, it was very controversial. And the damas católicas, the Catholic ladies, basically they, um, they covered up these naked pictures that were painted because they were considered um, you know, irreverent, and people shot bullets into them. People were very upset with this painting. I think Malitzin played a very smart, important role on the way the conquest took place. Fanny Blauer grew up in Mexico. We in Mexico, there is a lot of studies that really evaluate and analyze the position of Malitzin as a traitor. And it has played a very powerful negative uh, context on the, on the concept of being a woman. Um, and we can see it here in the painting. That's, that's the message that I get when I see this paint is that I'm holding you because I'm your protector, but I'm also holding you back. You are the woman. You are a woman. You are the instrument. But I'm the one, the man, who's going to take the decision. And that's extremely powerful in terms of how after the, the colonization, the, the role that a woman played. It was the, the woman's fault that we lost the war against Mexico. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, think, I think it plays a role in how sometimes uh, Mexicanos, how we view ourselves as well. Right? There's this term, uh, I don't know if I say the whole thing, like hijos de la chingada, you heard that? Yeah. Right, so this is t- this term where hijos de la chingada were like the sons of, of the screwed, right? The screwed one being uh, Malinzi. And so um, sometimes they internalize this idea, right? Well, that's what happens because ever since then, we've been screwed, right? Um, but there is an alternative perspective um, that I kind of, uh, I like the idea of that La Malinche, maybe she was truly a woman of vision, right? And we portray her as just an instrument being used. But the idea that maybe she was actually an active participant and allowed these things to happen and orchestrated it because she knew that when these two worlds collide, there'll be this third world, right, which we tend to refer as Malinche's vision. And from that third world, we have mestizos, which in turn turn to who we are today as Latinos, right, this big mix. And so I like the idea that she uh, she had the foresight that no one else did and she knew what was going to happen and uh, she, she was an active participant. Another image that depicts these colliding worlds in stunning fashion is called the fusion of two cultures, or el abrazo, the embrace. It's by Jorge González Camarena, and he lived from 1908 to 1980. Camarena actually painted two versions of this, one as a mural and one with acrylics on canvas 20 years later. See both of them on our website. Fanny here actually has a print of this painting displayed in her home. So this painting for me is... is very powerful. Number one, the colors are very bright. The what we actually what we see in the background, and what is actually happening. This is called El Abrazo, but it's also uh, this is a uh, the painting. It's at the museum of uh, the Castillo de Chapultepec, which is a very fancy museum in Mexico City. Uh, and it's interesting for me because that museum is a representation of the whole colonialism and the pre and after independence. In the museum, they have called this painting fusion. And when I look at it, 
is you see this man, this feathered man, and this uh, man made of wearing this metal outfit, which it represents the Spanish. The feathered man represents the Aztec. And they are both being killed. They are killing each other. They are both dying. And it's fusion. Although we don't see, I mean, I don't understand, I don't, I don't really depict any image of life other than death. However, the message that I get from this painting is that both needed to die ideologically to create this new fusion, this new culture. And that's how I see Mexican culture. Mexican culture still has its roots, its very indigenous roots, and also those who claim to be purely Spanish, uh, but still being born in Mexico, they also claim their Spanish root. However, when you live in Mexico, you live both. It's, it's a combination of the cultures, of the language and the religion and the traditions that Mexicans have been able to combine in many ways. And that's, how, that's what I see in this painting. We are not one or the other, but we are a combination of both. And that's a wonderful thing about being mestizo, I would say. And I, I definitely kind of agree with what Fanny said, but also I see it as sacrifice right here. Both of these cultures are being sacrificed. So I, so my culture could have life, it creates a visual for, for that idea in my head. Um, one thing, the, Az the Aztec eagle warrior was just the most ferocious, esteemed, incredible warrior. And here he is um, with his spear piercing the armored Spanish, and then the, the sword of the Spanish guy piercing right through that eagle warrior. And if you look at the codices and the murals from historically through Mexico, you'll see this eagle warrior just revered. Um, and so, you know, it's just so sad, really, to see that it's just sad it's just a really powerful um, painting. And then there's a huge fire and just a destruction behind them. What everything in surrounding them is going up in flames like the end of the world. Mm. It's just, it's one of, you, know, you look at Diego Rivera's um, murals and they're all, everyone's kind of just um, plump and round. And if they, have a, if they have a wound on them, it's just a little, you know, it's got a little Band-Aid on it. But this is just so destructive and horrifying and really end-of-the-world-ish. And so I think it's interesting because Mexicanos have to reconcile this. Whereas those of us of European origin in the U.S., we are pretty self-righteous. We haven't addressed what we've done to the, what we did to the indigenous populations in order to gain our prominence and domination. So none of us are having to look at an image like this and saying, I did that, that's me, my heritage is right here. We just ignore it, we've ignored it. And I think for me, this is something that I personally still process is both of these cultures are within me. Right. Like I, as a Chicano, I definitely identify with the indigenous side of my ancestry because I didn't get 
access to it growing up, and so I'm kind of reclaiming that, right? And many times when, when I'm learning about my own culture, I'm learning about what the Spanish did. But my last name is Lopez. Like, there's no denying that I have Spanish roots. And so kind of, you, you inherit trauma from both ends, and how do you begin to heal, you know? Yeah. I think many of us still struggle with that. It's very profound, yeah. I'll just put this out there because this made me think of something else. Um, my middle name is Sequoia. My parents, my parents named me that. Uh, that's named after the Cherokee Indian chief who made the Cherokee language. Although it turns out it's wrong because um, I actually um, I, I have a little bit of Native American in me, but it's Choctaw Indian, and it's uh, I'm probably one sixty fourth. Native American, but certainly that comes from one of my distant ancestors, probably in the Mississippi area, who uh, had a, an Indian wife. Um, I, that's a story I've been told. Um, so, yeah, certainly, I, I mean, even myself, I have that sort of heritage. And like you said, certainly haven't reconciled it at all. And I'm just mm -hmm. part of that larger sort of predominant white culture that sort of just, you know, <laughs> hasn't really given it much thought. Yeah, if we look at our ancestry and you know, all of us should um, just to to really learn more about the world and, and the connections between us because we're probably all related um, from the the Vikings, whatever they were doing on the Iberian Peninsula that affected my DNA. Um, they were also, you know, the going to Norway and learning about what the Norwegians did to the indigenous peoples there, the Sami. Very, very, very similar to what the um, what we did here in the U.S. to the Native American population. Really, just incredible parallels. So we all, you know, throughout our history, we all have things that are horrendous. Probably, you know, things that are wonderful. And I think we need to reconcile those and to um, realize that we all are have similar backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And um, those parallels join us, and it's all part of discovering who we are and and how we should behave towards people in the future now that our world is so much smaller. For me, is the good is maybe not necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily call it good, but it's just that the normal evolving process of human beings. When we talk about globalization nowadays, I will compare in the 1500s as part of the globalization. It's, uh, it was a part of this, discovering the rest of the world, discovering what others were believing, discovering where, how others were living. The, what I would, wouldn't justify is the atrocities and the way it was, it was uh, implemented. Um, we, I feel like we didn't reconcile with the, the, the Spanish really didn't reconcile with the idea that, okay, this is what we find and we're going to sit down and talk about how we can you know, complement each other here. It was about conquering, about destroying, about um, forcing their ideas to what already existed. And the level of atrocities that occurred during that time really is still in our blood. I mean, that's how I see it, this lack of uh, identity and lack of uh, unreconciled uh, thoughts that when I see these paintings, I really feel it very strong on, in terms of was this all necessary to implement these ideas? And that's where I have a hard time. I don't justify any of that. That's so interesting to hear you say that. But yet, it, um, 
you have this in your house, and and so it's it, it mean it's significant to you, right? I mean, it, it obviously it's 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 very thought provoking, and um, but it's not it doesn't necessarily bring you complete joy, right? It, it's just it's it's sort of it's part of you, right? I I don't I, I'm, for me yeah. is part of. Uh, being Mexican, but not only that, because I am not only Mexican now. I am a U.S. citizen, and I am a Mexican who lives in the U.S. for the la- who has been living in the U.S. for the last 21 years. And I am. It's not only me now. I have two children that come from two cultures, from the Mexican culture and from the American culture. And when I say American culture, my husband is a white American who was born here in Utah under the religious predominance uh, of the the place. I come from a completely different background. I have two children who are the result of those two cultures, and I see it. When I see this painting, I see myself. I see my relationship. So not in terms of killing each other, but somehow we have something has been produced here something new has been born. Those are my children. And I see this moral obligation for my children to learn both sides so they can reconcile with this, with their heritage so they know who they are. You can see both of the images we discussed in this episode at the website for this podcast, Artist in Mexico in Utah, and you can also go there to chime in and add to the conversation. Thanks to Luis Lopez, Fanny Blauer, and Susan Vogel, the hosts of the podcast. Music you heard in this episode comes from Antonio Pinto, Ricardo Lozano, Jorge Ramos, Elliot Goldenthal, and Joaquin Rodrigo. And the song you're hearing now is by Metalachi, a fusion band of mariachi and classic American heavy metal. I know. Totally awesome, right? Thanks to KCPW Salt Lake Public Radio for letting us use their facilities. This podcast is made possible by a grant from Utah Humanities. I'm Ross Chambliss.